Hello friends and welcome back to the Earthly Lights podcast. This week's guest is one of my best friends and true inspiration, Grace Ogden. Grace is a midwife and we talk about the ups and downs of such a vital job within the NHS and how she manages life-making decisions and the stress, but also the beauty that comes along with it. Grace was a little bit nervous before recording, but I think you all agree she was fantastic. At least I thought so. So sit back and enjoy the sweet, dulcet tones of the Lincolnshire accent. Without further ado, here is Grace Lucy Ogden, or Gracie, as I prefer to call her. How's work going? How's it been? All right, all right, to be honest. We had a very quiet April, which we were all trying to like work out why is it so quiet, like why are we having a lull? But I think, like, looking back, it was, like, nine months on from July, August. So whether because people were actually going back out, <laughs> were less bored, <laughs> they weren't just stuck in making babies. Do you have, like, peaks? Like, in, in midwifery, do you have, like, peak months where, like, you just know you're going to get a windfall of babies coming? September's always busy. So what's that? Does that mean that's New yeah, Year, baby? That's Christmas. Christmas, New Year, babies. Yeah, right. September's often busy, but... It's weird, like, we'll have, you can come to work one day and it's it's full, it's crazy, it's really busy, everyone's running around, and then you can come back two days later and it's like, how how has this happened? Because it's really quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. But um, and- you get general, like, peaks, peaks and troughs, but, like, April was really quiet. But we knew it was going to be quiet because you can, you can tell from when women obviously come for their booking appointments you work out the stats so if, if like 300 women come for a booking appointment in one week and then the next month there's only like 50 women come for a booking appointment you know that you're gonna have a quiet month in nine t- nine months time yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that's mad that so you kind uh, of know what's coming normally but we're, we're we're getting a bit of a busy busy month again which we've expected but it's okay and uh like how I suppose I start right at the beginning why why like why is it that you like wanted to be a midwife like this is what I don't get like for people who might be listening um like Grace I've known Grace like since like secondary school and if back when I had a hairline but like uh correct oh. me if I'm wrong like but you wanted to be a midwife since like year 12 or maybe even before that I knew you from like from year 12 did you want to be a midwife before then I don't think so. Like, I don't. I don't think I woke up one day and thought like I need to be a midwife. But I think I always wanted to do something that was fulfilling. Yeah. But I never really knew what, and I don't know. I ju- it just fascinated me. I I always w- kind of wanted to do something that was helping people in some way, but I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain it, but I I just really wanted to do it. Did, that come, did it come from your mum? Because your mum worked in the NHS as well. No, because my mum's non-clinical. So she's always worked. Um, she's worked in the NHS for 30 years, but not not clinically. Like, she's not a nurse or anything. She's um works in IT. Right. So not really. It wasn't even that. So I, I, I can't put my finger on it, really. I don't know what it was. But um, I think once, because obviously get, midwifery is such a competitive course to get onto at uni Mm. I don't know I think you work so hard to actually apply that if you didn't really want to do it you just wouldn't bother yeah yeah, yeah. if you did didn't really want to do it then you wouldn't get through the process either a you wouldn't 
get in to uni and B, you wouldn't make it through the course. Mm. So by the time you actually get to the point of being a midwife, there's only a select few. Well, not a select few. There's, there's, I feel like there's only the people left that really kind of want to do it because you have to work so hard to do it. Yeah, yeah. The same with and, like nursing and medicine, I suppose. Yeah. But the thing is like, so like with you, because you obviously had to redo year 12. And that was when I, I was like, oh, like this is like, like this is serious. Like she's not, this, she hasn't just done like thought of this on like a whim or, oh yeah, I want to be a midwife. And then when it didn't come off, you're like, oh, fuck it. I'll just study English or some shit. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. you were like, oh, and that meant you had to like sit, take back a year. Like obviously you were with Tesh, but really you weren't. Do you know what I mean? Like for me, that felt like such a big decision on your yeah. part. Like I massively respected you for doing that. But like, yeah. I, like, do you understand why people like me and maybe the like more like cynical or more like selfish people of society who, if we do a job, like we'll probably do it for our own gain, like for money or whatever the case may be, or for like prestige, like why we respect people like you so much. Like, do you get that? Or because you are who you are, you just kind of feel like it's normal. Um, I, I completely get where you're coming from, but because I think I work with so many people who are in the same boat, it, it does just become your normal. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I do. I do get what you're saying, but I think because we're so, I'm so used to working with people who are the same and like doctors, healthcare assistants, nurses, like they're they're all very similar in doing what they do. So I, d- I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I feel because I feel like, like I feel like those types of positions, the majority of the public like massively overlook them until one of two things happen. Either they're like in need, like all of a sudden they get ill or do you know what I mean? All of a sudden the house is on fire and the, and the firemen come around and like put it out and this, that and the other. And they're actually like, you actually get to witness firsthand, like what these people do for like society. Or if you're lucky, you don't have to go through that, but you have like people who are close to you who are in those professions anyway. And just by like talking to them and like hearing their types of stories, you realize like how important they are. And obviously like, yeah. obviously with COVID it got, massively obviously you, you guys got all the props that you've been needing and deserved for since way back when um and probably not enough to be honest because i feel like the clap was the absolute bare minimum you guys deserved but like it it's it's just mental to me how you got like to me it's, i always think of it as like you guys have a calling like it's something like with me i was like oh i'm good at spanish i'm fairly clever i can do these types of jobs which will get me like this type of money and blah, blah, blah. And that will help set me up. And do you know what yeah. I mean? Whereas yeah. like with you and like all of obviously like Lizzie and like Lily and like obviously your, your uni mates who all did like n- some sort of nursing course at uni. Mm. Like you were just some- tell me like some of the, wor- like to me anyway, what felt like the worst stories, like when you're on placement and stuff. Yeah. And I was thinking like, oh my God, these girls are paying for this number one. Yeah. And then like, they're like getting these like, like, I think Lily said like one time because she, she works with children, doesn't she? Like where they would like fling shit at oh, her, Layla. Like this. Layla, sorry, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of this, and all of this stuff, and I'm thinking, and like that was on the daily for her. Like that wasn't like a a one off like bad episode. She was like, oh yeah, that's just like, do you know what I mean, I kind of come yeah. to expect that when I go into work. And I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to imagine how you can have that like that frame of mind where you expect it, but then it doesn't turn you sour. Like yeah. it doesn't turn you into like a horrible type person or like yeah. a cold person. And to me, that's just like, I respect it so much because it's something that I could never do. Yeah. I think though, like for every, 
you, I think because you you don't do it, you kind of see like the gory side because you, you you don't get to see like the nice side of it as well. Whereas I think yeah, yeah. for every shit hard part of the job, mm-hmm. there is amazing parts, and it's not like we're completely like altruistic. We do it all for everybody else. Like it does make us feel good as well. I, like yeah. especially midwifery, like it's so rewarding when people say thank you when they appreciate what you've done and you see them at the end of this amazing journey and they've got a baby in their arms and it's it's amazing to help people but it's rewarding for us as well so especially midwifery I do think it is hard and there are times when you think oh my god why do I do this to myself but I'd say nine times out of ten it's because it makes us feel good and we we love it so especially nursing I can't speak for so I'm a bit like you like I I don't I couldn't be a nurse when like I just think nursing is so difficult to see people that are poorly every day Mm. but yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean do do those do those like high points do they like bring you through like when you're going through like a kind of a rough patch or maybe there's like a patient or something's gone wrong and I mean it's always just been a real terrible day yeah like do you like actively and like consciously like have to almost like remind yourself of like well I have like I do you know what I mean I, and maybe yeah. you've had like a load of good points yesterday or the day before that and you can like is that what helps bring you through those real hard um, I feel like midwifery is like a constant up and down like you'll have a really busy shift and you'll feel like you've been completely overworked and you're understaffed and you've not had a break in 13 hours and those days are really hard but then you'll come to work in in two days time you've had a good night's sleep you have time to reflect you have time to get yourself together and you just go again and you just get back on the horse and then that day won't be as bad and then you'll have a really lovely delivery and you'll meet a lovely couple and you'll do something and you feel like you've given really good care Mm. and it just yeah I think I don't think it's a conscious decision I think maybe when I first started but potentially kind of do kind of reflect on things more and think about it but when I feel like because I've been doing it I've been qualified for nearly three years now yeah just it's just routine it's just normal that that's you understand that you're going to have your good days and your bad days and I think yeah subconsciously yeah that is what keeps you going but Uh there's more good days than bad days and especially with like I work with such a lovely team like even when it's that really hard days everyone's not had a break and it's busy and it's the units manic but everyone supports each other even if you just like just to see each other in the corridor and have a quick chat and a quick laugh and a quick hug to get through it like you, you just get yourselves through and I can't describe it it's 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 weird I think it's that's the same for anyone that works in the NHS as well I think because it can be so you're you can be you feel like you're on the limit sometimes you feel like you're on the edge when you're under that mm. much pressure but then it just gets better and then you just keep going. It's it's re- it's it's weird. This is the thing, like, when I talk to people like you, and I say, like, me and you, like, we're good mates and we call each other fairly often and, and whatever else. And when I talk to you, like, not, and this is not to put, make you feel bad, this is, like, props to you, but I feel like such a shit bag afterwards. Because I'm thinking, like, okay, so I'll I have... Like, what you do. I, when no, I, when I came to Spain and you start speaking in Spanish... And yeah, then but that's easy. Yeah, but the speaking in Spanish... No, but the speaking in Spanish, that's not pressure. But like, for example, yeah, if I like work, like if I have a long work day, so like I'm supposed to work nine till seven with a two hour lunch break, by the way. 
But like, let's say Jeremy, like I, Jeremy guy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Wow. But it, but if I work like, let, let's say for example, clients call like is last minute whatever, and I'm having to work to like eight eight thirty whatever. Yeah, so that would mean I've worked let's say nine hours that day. I'll be yeah. like, oh, fuck's sake, like what? Honestly, what pain in the ass? Like this is this is out of order. Like I shouldn't, I um, shouldn't be doing these over hours. Like blah blah blah. And then there's you working thirteen, and then not just that, but then also like pressure. Like for me, pressure is like, okay, the campaign has to go well. I have to reach targets. Yeah. The money has to be correct. Blah blah. Which yeah, there's a certain level of pressure there because if I fuck up, like I can get the sack. But yeah. when I compare it to your level of pressure, your level of pressure is like life or death. Like, yeah. and that's not hyperbole. Like it is life or death. And then I feel like Jesus Christ, like I'm worrying about like if a campaign like yeah, yeah. delivers on this target and you're worrying about like a stillbirth. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just puts things into perspective, I think. But we, we need, we not everyone can do these jobs. We need people to do the other jobs. And Jesus Christ, if I was in your job, geez, I'd probably have a mental breakdown because I've, I wouldn't have a clue what I'm doing. Yeah, I feel, feel like it's all relative. Like we, every job is stressful and no job is perfect. And I know that because I've worked in a petrol station and my God, I had stressful days there. So it, do you know what I mean? It's not like because you work in healthcare, you have the hardest job in the world. I think every job is hard and every job is stressful. And every job, you have your good days and your bad days, don't you? Can I, uh, I can, can I ask you something? I yeah. ask something yeah. Every, whenever when everyone starts their job like so when you leave uni and you start on your like fledgling career whatever that may be like your first job and your first like couple of months in that job like everyone's a bit scared because like, you don't really like even though you've come out of uni yeah. you might have come oh, out of like, God, a great yeah. degree and stuff like you don't really have any clue what you're doing it's all new you're like the lowest of the low like and this yeah. that and the other right and I'm like and I, like it was it's scary for everyone but I don't I can't imagine what it's like coming oh, out of God. uni and I know you have placements in uni and stuff so like yeah. it kind of gears you up for it but I can't imagine what it's like to be like right oh, I'm coming yeah. out of uni and now it's like now you're a midwife like now you are responsible obviously with your team as well but you are responsible for like this fledgling life that's going to come in and that's on you like how do you even like when you started out how did you compute that I can't explain to you how hard it was to be honest I think I, I when I was training people say people say to you like the first year after you qualify is going to be like the hard one of the hardest years of your life mm. and they compare it to you know like when you learned how to drive yeah you were like me weren't you you passed the time <laughs> oh, I need to rub it in yeah but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you can learn to drive you can have all the driving driving tests no driving lessons in the world but until you're actually in that car without anyone telling you what to do as like a as somebody who's allowed to be on the roads on your own like it, it it's terrifying but it is oh it is hard I'm not gonna lie it was it was scary um but you just get through it like I found you leave work you've done one more shift and you think right I've done it like that's one more shift where I've had more experience I'm learning more things I'm getting better I know where more things are because I a lot of people will stay in the places where they've trained, but for me, I mm. moved to a different trust. So what a lot of people don't know, like with the NHS is that every single trust has like different guidelines, has different like processes. They use different like systems. So the IT systems where we document um, women's maternity records and women's um, maternity notes, etc. It's, it's all completely different depending on the area and the trust that you're working in, in the NHS. So, 
a lot of the things were different for me from where I trained when I started. So that was an extra kind of barrier as well. But yeah. um, it was hard. It was really hard. But every day you get better. And I suppose it's like any job, isn't it? Like you, you look back after you've been there for a year or two and you look back to when you started and you think, Jesus Christ, mm. I literally knew nothing. I- how um, does it work with like, not that you, do, you are prepared but you obviously do know stuff you don't know nothing but you look back and you think the amount that you take in you're like a sponge you just take everything in and you just yeah well it's because like in everything like, i feel like there's a like a real and this is just in everything in life but i feel like there's a real difference between like knowing something because you've read it from a book and then like learning like the real world scenario for what you've yeah. to have learned in a book yeah. like like so you said to me of speaking in spanish like yeah, I came out of uni and I had a good degree in Spanish and this, that, and the other. And then I moved over to Spain and I was like, oh, nice one. I've waited yeah. four fucking years. Yeah. Like all of this stuff that I was getting taught at like uni, like, yeah. like it's not coming in handy now. Like I need to like relearn all of this stuff that I thought I'd learned well. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, that's just, that's easy because compared to like what you're doing. And I wanted to know like, because everyone, lo- I mean, just in my experience, I learned like through, through mistakes, either like, my own personal mistakes or like mistakes of someone in a team, which is always yeah. best then they cop for it. And then you can just be like, right, don't do that again. But yeah. like, how the hell does that work in like a midwifery team? Um, Like I what happens when a mistake it, happens? So obviously there's like little mistakes, which are to be expected. But I think because you are in a situation where you have so much responsibility, when you're newly qualified, you just ask and you're encouraged to ask everything. Right. So when we have like newly qualified midwives come through, we always say to them, like, please do not be scared to ask. We'd be more worried about somebody who doesn't ask. Yeah. Because there's no there's no stupid questions. And even if somebody asks you a question, you think, you probably should have known that, but at least you've asked and, and now you know for sure, rather than doing something and then getting it wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, there are always kind of situations where you make small mistakes, then you learn from them, but because we are so encouraged to ask questions you're not made to feel stupid you do just ask lots of little things like I remember so obviously as a midwife we can give medication um I remember giving my first like dose of paracetamol I asked another midwife to come with me and she looked at me like I had two heads like you don't need me to come with you but I was just like have I got this responsibility yeah yeah it is hard and you do obviously we do have bigger mistakes happen sometimes but I do think as a lot of the culture is when the mistakes happen we we look back on the kind of process and like the system rather than the individual error mm-hmm. which is quite good you, you're not kind of made to feel like you're massively at fault obviously mm. you take responsibility for what's happened but also they look at kind of like staffing um the system errors kind of whether like whether there's any processes that we can improve on to help make sure things like that don't happen again so mm. obviously you shit yourself because you want to do the best job you can do and you never want to make a mistake but um yeah you just get through it and you just ask as many questions as you feel like you need to ask and even now midwives that have been qualified for 30 years will still ask people questions because it's just a minefield like you're never going to know everything and everything changes so quickly because there's new evidence that comes out and guidelines change and the we as a population are changing so we're coming across new problems and 
different conditions are becoming more kind of common so things change so quickly and we're never going to know everything so mistakes are always going to happen like you're never not going to get mistakes especially in healthcare when human error is a massive thing but um I think it's all about kind of recognizing your own limitations asking questions reflecting and just trying to improve yourself all the time really and not not trying to beat yourself up if you do make those small mistakes because at the end of the day everybody's everybody's been in that position when you first start because you you can't know everything it's impossible and as a student you have three years to soak in as much information as you possibly can Mm. and with all the best will in the world, however, however amazingly we try to prepare our students for being qualified midwives, in those three years you're not going to come across every single eventuality and every single situation. So you are going to be exposed to new situations where you need to ask ask for help and potentially might make mistakes. But yeah, I think it's we are encouraged to to be as safe as we can and ask ask questions and seek help if we need it. I just, like I feel I do feel sorry for like um for medical practitioners in general because when they make a mistake like the general public are so quick to like call them out on it like you know I've had it before like when a doctor I had I thought I had glandular fever the doctor was like nah you had a you've got a flu blah blah like sent but me home you were so ill then oh, weren't so you? Ill, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like he just sent me home and was like I'm so quiet I thought honestly <laughs> also skinny and uh, and he sent me home to eat like high and soup, and I was like, "Mate, high and soup is not going to cure this. Like, I am fucked." And you then he like around though for a barbecue, didn't you? Bless you. Yeah, mate, I had to do that. But do you know what I mean? Then I had to like. Then I was like insisting. I was like, two days later, I was, like, I'm not getting better. Like, please just take a blood test or whatever test it is that you have to do for glandular fever. And they eventually came around and they were like, "Okay, fine, we'll do it." Like just to shut yeah. me up more than anything. And then it came out that I did have glandular fever. And I remember then I was like. In my, I didn't say anything to the doctor, but in my head, I was like, you, do you know what I mean, you're an idiot. Like, I'll tell him, yeah. tell you this, and you're not taking me seriously. But then I think back on it now, I'm like, he's probably seen, like, he's overworked. He's probably seen, like, 100 patients that day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I bet every single one of them's coming in, telling him they've got, like, stage four cancer, when the majority of the time it's probably just a headache. Yeah. And he's probably thinking, do you know what I mean, the chances are it probably was just a flu. Yeah. And then this one case, he's wrong, and then it makes him look, in my eyes, like a bad doctor. And yeah. I feel, but yet yeah, any other person in any other walk of life, when they make a mistake, you kind of, it's water off a duck's back. It's not really yeah. that serious, but obviously yeah. with med, with medical, in the medical world, like a mistake can be like massively serious. And I, I, do you guys, have, this might be sound like a silly question because obviously you work in the health sector, but do you guys have like a mental health um, uh, support system or like safety net for you guys? So that like, oh. if you're going through like a, a, a kind of a, a tormenting period you can like there's someone who you can talk to or whoever it may be so we have um pmas in midwifery right which are professional midwifery advocates who are like people that have been specially trained who are generally midwives that um i think every unit should have like an assigned pma who you go to if you're going through kind of like an investigation or if you're struggling at work or anything really if you're going through anything kind of personal that you that's affecting you at work and you need to speak to somebody then you can speak to them Mm. um medicine wise doctors I really don't know um going back to your point though I I completely agree because I think as a midwife um we escalate to doctors Mm -hmm. we escalate to our obstetricians whereas as a doctor you are you are where you're being especially the consultants like that you can't escalate any further (laughs) yeah so yeah 
and I, I know like Grace Muscles just qualified as a doctor and I just I'm in awe of her because I don't know how how anyone could do it but yeah I don't know I mean I think it depends in where you work and what your management's like and how well these kind of PMAs are implemented but I think generally there's support there if you need it but I do think a lot of the time especially when you have friends at work I suppose you get a lot of your kind of support from your friends it's like Mm. because they understand they've been there they've been in similar situations so for me I, I would always kind of talk to the girls at work and kind of just bounce off them really with problems or if I was being if I felt like I needed any support with anything but there is stuff in place I've personally never had to use those but I think yeah there are there is stuff in place we've spoken about um the great kind of um the great moments like obviously you get to see these like you get to help bring a child into into this world yeah. you get really thankful patients who are like thanking you and obviously that makes you feel great and yeah. but like how is, have you ever experienced like you know the kind of the worst case scenario like a stillbirth or you know, I don't know, a child is born and then kind of in the next couple of days passes away for whatever reason. Like, ha- have you dealt with that? And if so, like, what the hell is that like? Um, I think most midwives have dealt with, with, have still, with, have dealt with stillbirth in some kind of sense. So I think whether that's actually looking after them during the birth of the baby or whether it's kind of postnatally or, at some point of their journey, I, I imagine most midwives will have come across it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have. And I've not been too closely involved in it, as in looking after them during labour or the actual birth of the baby. But it's really difficult. And I think difficult different situations stick with you more than others. And I think there's right. midwives that have been midwives for... 30 40 years we'll be able to look back on certain situations and remember everything remember the baby's name the woman's name mm-hmm. because naturally some things do stick with you and affect you more than others um and yeah I, I know that there's not always it's not always the stillbirths and those kind of awful outcomes that stick with you there can be other kind of really really traumatic events where actually it's not been as terrible as that as a, of an outcome, but it might just be, I, I don't know, a really, I don't know, like a really difficult situation or an emergency that they can affect you as well. So it's, it's not just, I think there's kind of a perception that it's just those outcomes that can be quite traumatic for the staff, but there's such a range of different things that can be hard to deal with, but mm yeah and you know there's shows like 24 hours in A&E and, and these types of shows and the ones that you'd always show me when we were at sick form which was um was it a baby born every minute or something a one born every minute <laughs> yeah um but like these types of shows like they kind of give like the general public like an idea of what it is to work in those institutions oh, but they... daily. and like especially like the 24 hours in a and one because that's just like chaos after chaos yeah. after chaos tragedy yeah. after tragedy and like you like me as a like a person watching that i just can't help but like tear up at almost yeah. every single even if it ends up in the end semi well i still yeah. like, just think that whole ordeal is just horrific mm-hmm. but it strikes me that like obviously 
like the doctor or the surgeon or the nurses or whoever, they can't have that that approach because like the last thing you want to do with your arm half hang, hanging off is then come into a and like, oh my god that is terrible and like start crying just, look at this look at his arm like you don't want that do yeah, you know what i mean and yeah. but like with that said so obviously i think it's part of the job is like you almost have to calcify a little bit and become a bit hardened to like what the normal person would probably freak out at or get very emotional over mm. but so even though it's part of the job and I guess almost necessary for you to kind of to move on with your day to day and not like get, you know, hung up on one scenario that doesn't allow you then to function with the next um, couple that's coming in that day. Do you ever worry that like it's almost hardening you too much? Like you're kind of losing that like sense of humanity that, that um, thing that first brought you to me with free in the first place? Because like, for people who don't know, like you used to show me the most like gory videos of one born every minute but like, right. you when, like... when sub says just for everybody listening when sub says i'm showing him gory videos they <laughs> were not gory videos it was like a baby just being uh, like a beautiful normal delivery a baby being born sub was like a child and can't watch anything like that because he freaks nah. out like, it's, it's when, the, it's when they come out it's when they come out blue that scares me but like what I'm saying is like, I would watch it and I'd be like, oh, even if it was a good one, I'd be like, oh, like it just, because I'm not like used to seeing that. Yeah. You know I mean? like, that's just yeah, such yeah, a yeah. weird thing to see. But like, you would like look at it and be like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Like your face would literally like light up when you would see this stuff. And I couldn't like compute. Like, I understand that the process is beautiful, but to me, the yeah. actual imagery itself was almost like horrific. But like, so are you worried that like through going yeah. through this process, like you're three years in now, you're fairly experienced. Are you worried that like you're gonna you're losing kind of that love for it that you had when you would show me those videos, for example? Because now that must be normal to you, like seeing those situations. No, no, I still love it. Um, I think if you ever get to the point when you're completely dissociated and not that you don't care, but if you just kind of are are so detached from it, I think that's probably the point when you you have to kind of leave mm. because you have to care. That's the whole that's the whole part of the job if you don't care then why are you doing it if you can't give that woman that care that she deserves then you're in the wrong job so no I I think as you become more experienced and you get used to seeing certain things you learn how to deal with them better I I don't see it as becoming detached from it in a bad way at the point I'm at anyway but um I think there may there probably is people that have got to that point but I think if that is the case then they should have they should really leave I don't feel like I work with anybody who's mm. kind of too detached and in a in a bad way but, um, like, but you know what you say about it makes it like you cry at stuff yeah when I watch deliveries on um when I watch births on one born every minute I'll always yeah. cry on the telly even now like obviously delivered however many babies that of my own mm. not actually personally my own babies obviously yeah um it still makes me cry when, mm. when like the, the music comes on and it's all like airy fairy on the telly i start tearing up and i'm like i never tear up like actually physically looking after when anybody else but yeah yeah i yeah. think it's because when you're in the moment it's just like game face you've got that responsibility you're the one in that room looking after that woman you just you just, I don't know, because you, you've got that pressure and that responsibility on you and you're in the zone, you, you don't kind of allow yourself to 
feel those emotions but I still when mm. if I watch anything on the telly like that it still makes me cry mm. I, like do you think that being a, like a nurse or a midwife has made you um how can I put this I don't want to say a better person but like yeah like do you think it has like I, I can't imagine that you go through what you go through on a daily basis where you care for people on a daily basis where it hasn't made you like more empathetic then like maybe like your other friends, like, you know, we, we all have friends in common, me and you, and I would put you up there. Cause, but I feel like obviously, yes, because you, you've chosen this job. So it makes sense that you're really empathetic, but I feel like you've become even more so with like time as time's gone on. Um, I think I'm better at communicating for sure. I think potentially, yeah, maybe more empathetic. I, d- I don't really know. I, I like to think, yeah, I, I probably have become a better person. I do think you have so many skills in midwifery that you have to kind of, like, draw on. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think I've definitely grown as a person. Um, yeah, and, like, if I work with students, sometimes, like, I like last week or something, a woman was crying with me. Mm. And she said, oh, how, did, how did you know what to say to her? Like, I wouldn't have known what to say to her when she was crying. Mm. And, like, you don't. I didn't. Re- I, you don't. It's things that you do every day that you think. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. You just. That's just. Yeah. The job, and you get used to doing stuff like that, and empathizing, and communicating, and listening, and I don't know. Yeah, I think I have definitely grown as a person. Does it take but, like? Does it take an emotional toll on you? Like the fact that you said there, like, oh yeah, this woman was just crying with me, and like I just blah blah, and the student was like, oh I can't believe, like the fact that that's your just your day to day, like oh yeah, a woman was just crying with me about whatever it may have been, and like you don't see that as like a if like some woman was like crying to me tomorrow, I'd be like, what is happening? Do you know what I mean? Because I was like in my day to day, that is like the furthest thing thing from normality. Like that must take some level of like emotional toll on you, surely. Like when you come home. Like, do you not, like, I don't know, like, call Brad or um, your mum or, do you know what I mean? Like, fuck. It depends. I think different because we, like, birth is emotional. Yeah. And pregnancy is emotional. After postnatal, the postnatal period is emotional. Like, the hormones, the hormonal changes that women go through, mm. women are bound to cry. Like, we have women that cry all the time, so... I think I just, you just, I'm just used to it, to be honest. So no, I don't think mm. it does take an emotional toll. I think obviously certain situations, yeah, would take more of a toll than others. Right. But because I've experienced it so much, which it's just the day-to-day for a midwife, to be honest. So then um, with that being said then, like coming back to it, if your day-to-day is like, for example, dealing with these women who are crying and this, that and the other, and like like you said- not- not all the time. Not all I'm the time, but like it's, it's, but like it's a it's a normal thing for you. Like it's not like out of the norm yeah. for it to happen. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. with that, if that's the case, right, and you're like saying like you kind of you just get used to it and like you can't you don't let it take an emotional toll on you because otherwise you'd be a wreck every day as well. How yeah. then does that translate? For example, like when a friend of yours outside of work, obviously, is maybe confiding in you, and maybe they're going through a rough patch. And they're like crying and they're, or they're really upset and this, that, and the other, like, do, like, do you find yourself maybe like, do you find your patience maybe wearing thin or like maybe you don't have 
as much sympathy as maybe you would as maybe you'd expect to have because you've dealt with so, so much more extreme scenarios that now like someone's crying to you because they're like they've split up with their boyfriend to you it almost seems like a nonsense no not at all so like you not can switch all. between the two is yeah, what i'm trying definitely. to ask yeah right yeah 100 percent. yeah definitely because I wouldn't be able to do that, I don't think. I feel like if I came hard, no, but I feel like if I became hardened to it in my day to day life, do you know what I mean? If in my work, like it was kind of a normal thing. Oh yeah, I've had to yeah. just deal with Sue. Do you know what I mean? She was crying about blah blah, but whatever. Then I come home, and then like friends crying to me about something. I, I I think I find it hard to kind of change that microchip in my head and be like, this isn't work time now. Now I should like switch on my empathetic mode and like be real like there and open for that friend i think when when your friend's upset i don't think it i don't think you you would ever i mean if you genuinely cared about your friend i don't think you could ever be like that to be honest Mm. no matter what you do do you know yeah no no, you're right i just feel like it because you deal with it on the day like this is the thing like you're in that sense like for me obviously like if you called me up and you were really upset or you were like crying or whatever Obviously, for me, that's like a that's a moment. It's a big moment. Yeah. And like I, but you, you might have dealt with that literally ten times that day, and then I might call you up and be like, "Oh, me and Louise have just had a massive argument," and that's the eleventh person to you in that twenty four hour period yeah. who's like telling you shit, and you're like, oh, "Like, I can't imagine how that like if that were me." I would try and like put on a game face and still be nice to you, but afterwards I might think, "Jesus Christ, that's me done for the day." <laughs> That's my quota of upset people. Yeah, that's it now. I'm not answering me. I like to think I'd still be nice to you, even if I, even if I was uh, kind of emotionally done. I, I'd like to think I'll still be nice, or at least put on a put on a good, put on a good front. <laughs> it would be quite jokes if I called you and you just like said, "Mate, I can't deal with your shit yeah, right I'll now." Yeah, tomorrow, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite jokes but um but nah like um it is it's, it's it, i don't know like I, I do respect it so much but how does like um like what does like your close like people who are real close to you who see you on the day obviously me and you we're close but i don't get to see you as much as much as i would like nor speak to you as much as i would like but you know someone like you know brad for example or or your mom like how do yeah. they do they like <laughs> Do they when see a difference have, in you? Do you know what I mean? Like when you have hard days or a hard period or... To be honest, I think my mum would probably say that I've become quite good good at just switching off because when I first qualified, I feel like she would always say to me, like, how was your day? And we'd like have a good like 20 minutes to chat about my day. I walk in now and we're talking about any old random shite. We're talking about what's for tea and we don't mm. even mention work. So I think I've become... I think I'm just better at switching off and... Mm and um separating between work and home I think you have to do that otherwise if you take your work home every day you just you'd just be a nightmare um Brad is probably used to, like sometimes I tell Brad stories or I'll, I'll like trying to explain like certain like conditions of pregnancy to Brad I think Brad's probably thinking Jesus wept <laughs> <laughs> he's probably sick of me talking to him about about pregnancy and trying to explain stuff by now he probably could actually like fill in for me as a midwife <laughs> i'd love to see that i mean he probably would disagree but um yeah i think i like it's when i watch like call the midwife on the telly and i'm trying to like explain like certain things <laughs> <to my mom. laughs> and she's like all right 
<laughs> all right, we get it. You're a midwife. Shut up. <laughs> but uh, you know, you were talking about like how <clears throat> for you, obviously, it's normal. The women, their hormones are up and down all over the shop, and like you're having to deal with them as well as like the actual pregnancy itself and this, that, and the other. What's the case with the uh, with the dads? Like, do you have um, you met the change or have you know like what? Do you know what I mean? Because obviously pregnancy is massively, we always just think about the woman and we always yeah. think about the child. And actually there was a real, my friend Rosie, we spoke about, I think it's the first podcast we ever did. And she did a, a documentary piece about like basically men who, because of the way society kind of thinks about pregnancy and the whole, that whole kind of um, situation, they felt massively kind of outcast, even though they're the father and they want to be. Yeah involved like it's all the focus is all on the woman whenever they go to work it's like oh how's i mean how's Gemma? they're never asking like how's he doing when the baby's born it's all about the baby and the mother and like our breastfeeding and this that and the other and they almost feel like this this just like this kind of outsider looking in to the part Mm -hmm. where like a lot of them have dealt with like serious depression from from cause from that and they kind of now have some of them have created like little father groups where Mm -hmm. you know these fathers bring in all their newborns and they become their own support system but yeah how like obviously as you're the professional like you you see that on the day-to-day like how have you how do you see that i often find um that men process things completely differently to women Mm. and i think especially women that are in labor and um when they're actually giving birth you're in such you're often they they've got pain relief they are in pain a lot of the time so they they're kind of in the zone whereas Mm. the men looking on they're completely helpless a lot of the time Mm. men are like don't get me wrong men are amazing with their partners 99% 99% of the time and they're amazing support but I do think they they do feel helpless because a lot of the time they've never seen their women their partners in any pain really at all yeah and then all of a sudden they're having to watch them go through labor which can be like the most traumatic time of people's lives so um I think men process and experience labor completely differently to what women do and especially in like emergencies for women that say have postpartum hemorrhages which is where women basically bleed after childbirth Mm -hmm. um men see everything so men can see that blood loss they see that trauma they see the emergency buzzer go off they see all of the people come into the room and for them they might be thinking like oh my god she's gonna die Mm. and I think men men are they yeah they do they are in a very unique position during childbirth because they're not for us that's that's we see it every day for the woman mm. she's actually going through it she's the one in the pain in the zone whereas for the men they're just onlookers a lot of the time so yeah. i completely understand why men would i i do understand completely why some men are traumatized by some experiences that they go through but I do think we we do really try so if ever an emergency buzzer goes off we always have a woman that's kind of midwife that's kind of assigned to like speaking to the couple and saying like this is what's happening there's gonna be people in here doing this this and this and this is why we're doing it so we do always try to like communicate talk through what's happening but yeah I think it can be very traumatic for men um especially I suppose with COVID and not being able to come to antenatal appointments and feeling very like detached from oh, the pregnancy. Yeah. I think that's going to take a toll on men as well in a different kind of way. Yeah. I um, never even thought about that. I never yeah. thought of course. So, like, so men haven't been able to attend really. So luckily any of enough they can. 
luckily now they can, but there was a point in COVID where they couldn't attend any of the scans. So, um, so for people that wouldn't know, so essentially women have, all, all women will have two routine scans during pregnancy. So they have a 12 week scan, which is like a dating scan to date the pregnancy, give them an estimated due date. Mm. And they'll have an anomaly scan at 20 weeks, which is where you look at basically the major structures of baby, um, and check that baby's growing, that baby's baby looks healthy and all of the major structures of baby look, whether they look normal or abnormal, et cetera. Mm. So that, they're the two scans that all women will have in pregnancy, and then women will have will have regular antenatal appointments with a midwife, with a midwife um, to check up on them, etc. And there was a point in COVID where men couldn't come to any of them, so I think for the women and the men that was really difficult. Um, for certain things can be really hard, so we have women that will be recommended to be induced and. For some women, they get this all of this information coming at them, and they it's overwhelming. So I think when men aren't there, it can be really difficult because women don't have that second person that's been with them through the appointment that's heard all the information that they've heard. And mm. um, so a lot of the when this was happening, I like to kind of say to the women, if you want to ring your partner or get your partner on the phone or whatever, we can do blah blah blah. But thankfully now men are coming to the appointment so I don't think they're going to feel like just a spare part mm-hmm. um and like they don't really understand what's going on in the pregnancy because it must have been really difficult yeah like some men won't have um heard their baby's heartbeat until they're, they're with the woman in labor and just like little things like that I think yeah have been hard um but yeah it's nice that women have got that support especially for times when things aren't quite going as well and what, what, what would you say um makes like a good support partner so say like you know say say louisa's pregnant tomorrow and yeah. we have, i have to go through this whole kind of you know process with her like so, obviously you've seen bad you know, i'm sure you've seen bad good and indifferent like what would you say is like the t- kind of would make a, a partner like a real good support system for for their wife or, or their girlfriend going through this so I think for women and men, so not just the men, but for any Mm. women, so women that have never had babies before, I would always say do antenatal classes. So NHS, the NHS does offer, should offer routine antenatal classes. But if you feel like you don't have all the information that you need from those classes, I'd recommend private antenatal education just because knowledge is power. And the more informed you are, the more empowered you are, the more you can kind of challenge what's happening to you in your pregnancy, if there's certain things that you want to do or you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So men kind of making the effort to kind of learn about what's happening and um, antenatal education for kind of birth is really good for men as well, because then at least they kind of are prepared for what's happening. So one of my um, friends at work, she's a midwife, obviously, she had a baby, but her and her partner both went to antenatal education just so that during labour, mm-hmm. he would able to kind of understand what's happening not worry about certain things kind of if any procedures were to happen he would kind of understand why we do it and um what we're doing it for and things like that so definitely if men kind of take an interest and kind of are keen to learn so if women want to do hypnobirthing I think it's important that the men kind of do are involved in that and kind of help to facilitate that with the women um just like little things like men 
I always say to the men, like, it's your job to make sure she keeps drinking. Because we always say to women that, like, being in labour is like running a marathon. So you mm. need to keep drinking. You need to keep giving your body some fuel and, and keep yourself well hydrated. So just, like, little things, like making sure that the woman has plenty of water, encouraging her to be kind of mobile and upright and helping her get into good positions, making sure she's comfy, um, listening to her. Lots of different things, but... Um, just being attentive really like yeah men, it's such it's amazing for us midwives when the men are really really great great help because not that it means that we don't have to do our job of course we still have to do our job but it's just like having having an extra pair of hands really sometimes if the men are just mm. amazing and so helpful um but yeah i'd say just listening um being interested being attentive lots of different things really but i'd say majority of men are just naturally supportive and you can really tell when like a couple love each other and the man can't do enough for, for yeah. them so that's always nice to see yeah I can imagine does it like <clears throat> obviously you came into this thing like this job because you loved you know childbirth and all the rest of it and the whole process around it now it's your day-to-day job like do you look forward to the day when you're like pregnant or is it like almost like a bus man's holiday like ah, oh, you know no, everyone always says to me like I, if I had a plan for every time a couple have said this to me like oh does it put you off because like when the conversation comes up like have you had children I'm like no yeah. maybe one day um and they say oh does they it say put you maybe off? you definitely want kids well you say oh, maybe one day I mean I definitely do want kids um, but <laughs> I will say like no it doesn't put me off I can't wait I think all of our midwives are amazing I can't, I can't wait for one of them to look after me because they're great but um no this might sound like a real yeah. stupid, ignorant question, right? But will do you think it will like take the shine off it in some way? Just because you know, like the ins and outs, like you know exactly what to expect, like you know how the procedure is going to go, like you know what the doctors or the your the midwives are going to tell you at certain stages. Whereas obviously, for someone who's never had a baby or someone who's not, or maybe it's the second, or whatever, it's obviously all new and it's like the whole thing's new. Not just the kid, like everything's new, the first heartbeat. You've yeah. probably listened to like, I know it's not your kid, but you've listened to like a million heartbeats by now. Do you, yeah. do you like worry that it will like take the shine off it a tiny no, bit? No, not at all. No, no. It makes me more excited for it. Really? Yeah. Just think, oh, it's my, it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I think, um, I think it's good actually, like, like I was saying before, I advise all women to kind of be as informed as possible about pregnancy and about mm-hmm. um, birth, etc. So I think as a midwife, we are in a really like p- privileged position because we understand kind of a lot of the pregnancy and childbirth kind of what's normal, what's not normal. So I do think we are in a very privileged position. But I, I, I can speak for a lot of midwives who I, I know have had babies who say that kind of we feel sometimes like we know too much because we can was, worry about, we can worry about kind of that. the outcomes yeah yeah i was just gonna ask you that because one of my favorite books is the back there somewhere is uh called when breath becomes air and it's basically about spoiler alert anyone who hasn't like read it go and buy it now and just mute me for the next like minute and a half but basically it's about like this um he's a surgeon he's a brain surgeon and then he actually ends up getting cancer himself so then it's like the tape and it's like a true story but the tables are flipped and all of a sudden he's instead of being the consultant he's now having to go to these consultancy meetings and there's someone on the other side of the table telling him 
how the procedure is going to go, what the recovery rate is, blah, blah, blah. And like mm-hmm. one of the kind of the key themes in it is like, how does he finds it really hard to be the patient? And because like he's, he, he knows all of the process. And like you said, he almost knows too much, but yeah. in doing so and like in becoming the patient, he kind of says that he, he, he becomes a better doctor because of it, because he now understands like the, the, like the shoe is on when the shoe's on the other foot. Like, do you worry that when you're, obviously when you're going through it, like you're, you might be second guessing what the other midwives are telling you. Cause you'll be like, yeah, but what about this case? And what about, is it, do you know what I mean? Like, or will yeah. you be happy to go with the flow? Like someone who hasn't gone through it, we probably just put our trust in the midwives and we're like, well, look, they know their shit. Like if they're saying it's this, it's yeah. going to be this. Whereas you might be in like, well, I remember this case and this case and this case where that didn't yeah. happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's really difficult. And I think, especially I've spoke to midwives who have had babies and we we often say like what's it like when you're actually in labor like do you find yourself so a lot of women will be on CTGs in labor so that's cardiotocograph so that's essentially where we monitor baby's heart rate so obviously when you're a woman in labor who's not medically trained you don't really know how to interpret that whereas if you're a midwife who's in labor you're looking at your baby's heart rate and I suppose you're I don't know whether whether some women will be in some midwives will be in a position to kind of interpret it but I've, I've asked midwives who have had babies um and said like do you find yourself looking at the ctg do you find yourself like worried about stuff and nine times out of ten they say no because you're you're not in a position to because you're in pain you're the one that's kind of mm. you, i think you do just place I, I like to think that yeah you would just place your trust in the midwife who's looking after you and kind of embrace that you're not there is that role you are the woman Mm. and there's people that are there to look after you and you need to trust that they're going to look after you Mm. so I don't think I would I think I would trust I would trust people to take care of me and yeah so hopefully not hopefully I won't be a terrible patient and well you know when it happens whenever whenever mine and Louisa times come you're getting flown out to Madrid Um, I'll do I'll do one state classes over uh, over FaceTime with you Nah, not FaceTime you. I'm gonna like we'll we'll buy a new house, we'll get a separate room, mate, and you're coming out here for the nine months, oh, mate. I you can do it. you can do a you can do a stint in Spain, mate, and you can be like a Spanish English nurse. There's enough English people out here for you to help. So uh yeah, so can you yeah. imagine I would be like talking to you guys, I wouldn't be able to clear what everybody else was saying. Oh, I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to see uh, uh Ola, um Louisa, uh <laughs> Tine Bebe e Estantinta. I'd absolutely love to watch you. <laughs> I'd love to watch you try and like just converse with the Spanish nurses. It'd be absolutely I'd be brilliant. Like, you saying, Seb, like you need to tell them this, and you'd be like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> nah, it'd be great yeah. stuff. It'd be great stuff. But I'm so glad that we uh, obviously we have we talk on, we talk regularly. But I'm glad that we got to have this particular conversation. How, it wasn't too bad, was it? No, it was fine. It was See? fine. Told you, I see, when you talk about what you know, you can talk all day, can't you? There you go. And when you've got an amazing host like me, it just puts you at ease, doesn't it, really? <laughs> well, um, well, I'm used to that bloody voice. There I've we go. Over the years. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Grace. I really, really appreciate it. That's okay, my darling. I hope I've not bored everybody with, uh, <laughs> with all of them. All. Not at all. Everyone loves Gracie now. You've, got, you've gone into everyone's hearts. This is how it's what happens on the Earthy Lights podcast. We bear, we bear the soul, Grace. And by doing that, people sh- share their souls with us. You know what I mean? It's just a beautiful thing. And uh, I, all jokes aside, I really appreciate you and people in your in your line of work. I don't think you get enough props for it. And uh, I think only when shit hits the fan do we really realise 
how like needed you guys are. Um, so yeah, for anyone who's listening, who maybe has a friend or a family member or anyone who's in a similar line of work or just like in a public service, like whatever, maybe a teacher or something like that, where they don't really get the kudos that they deserve. Just send them a message. If you listen to this podcast, send them a message, let them know that they're appreciated because uh, without them, society would be a lot worse off. Um, but yeah, with that rallying cry, I bid you all farewell. And thank you so much, Gracie. Love you. Thank you, Seb. Love you. Hi, guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review if you haven't already. Every review helps us climb the podcast charts so that even more of you can listen to our amazing guests. We really appreciate the support. Remember to tune in next week. But until then, keep safe and have a good one. 